should be conducted. In other words, clinical trials continued to undergo little to no oversight. Kelsey graduated from medical school in 1950 and went on to work for the Journal of the American Medical Association before starting work as a medical reviewer at the FDA in 1960. As reviewer of new drug applications, NDA, she was one of three people charged with determining a drug's safety before it could be made available for public consumption. Chemists reviewed the chemical makeup of the drug and how the manufacturer could guarantee its consistency, while pharmacologists reviewed animal trials showing that the drug was safe. Though this appears to be a rigorous and thorough process of checks and balances, Kelsey admitted to some weaknesses in her memoir, including the fact that many of the medical reviewers were part-time, underpaid, and sympathetic to the pharmaceutical industry. The most troubling deficiency in the process was the 60-day window for approving or rejecting drugs. If the 60th day passed, the drug would automatically go to market. She recalls that this happened at least once. Fortunately, drug manufacturer Richardson Merrill's NDA for Kevidon, the U.S. trade name for thalidomide, was only the second NDA Kelsey received, meaning she didn't yet have a backlog of reviews to get through. For Kelsey and the other reviewers, thalidomide did not pass muster. Not only were there pharmacological problems, but Kelsey found the clinical trials to be woefully insignificant and that the physician reports were too few and they were based largely on physician testimonials rather than sound scientific study. She rejected the application. Reports of the side effect peripheral neuritis, painful inflammation of the peripheral nerves, were published in the December 1960 issue of the British Medical Journal. This raised an even bigger red flag for Kelsey. The peripheral neuritis did not seem the sort of side effect that should come from a simple sleeping pill. She asked for more information from Merrill, who responded with another application merely stating that thalidomide was at least safer than barbiturates. Kelsey then sent a letter directly to Merrill, saying that she suspected they knew of the neurological toxicity that led to nerve inflammation, but chose not to disclose it in their application. Merrill grew increasingly upset that Kelsey would not pass their drug, which had been used in over 40 other countries at this point. If neurological toxicity developed in adults who took thalidomide, Kelsey wondered, what was happening to the fetus of a pregnant woman who took the drug? Her concern hit on what would be the most sinister effect of thalidomide in other countries. Kelsey had asked these questions before. After getting her Ph.D. in 1938, she stayed on with Geiling. During World War II, Geiling's lab joined the widespread effort to find a treatment for malaria for soldiers in wartime. Kelsey worked on the metabolism of drugs in rabbits, particularly an enzyme in their livers that allowed them to easily break down quinine. What wasn't clear was how this enzyme broke down quinine in pregnant rabbits and in rabbit embryos. Kelsey found that the pregnant rabbits could not as easily break down quinine, and that the embryos could not break it down at all. Though there was already some work being done on the effects of pharmaceuticals on embryos, it was not yet a well-researched area. By November of 1961, physicians in Germany and Australia had independently discovered birth defects in infants whose mothers had taken thalidomide during early pregnancy. In embryos, thalidomide could cause critical damage to organ development. Even just one pill could result in infant deformities. And since many doctors prescribed thalidomide for the off-label treatment of morning sickness, 10,000 infants all over the world were affected, and countless others died in utero. Merrill eventually withdrew the application on their own in April of 1962, but the drug had already been distributed to more than 1,200 physicians, about 15,000 to 20,000 patients, of whom over 600 were pregnant, according to Swan.
In the U.S., 17 cases of birth defects were reported, but as Swan says via email, that could have been thousands had the FDA not insisted on the evidence of safety required under the law, despite ongoing pressure from the drug's sponsor. In 1962, soon after Merrill withdrew their application and the horrors of the drug became internationally known, Congress passed the Kefauver-Harris Amendment. This key amendment required more oversight for clinical studies, including informed consent by patients in the studies and scientific evidence of the drug's effectiveness, not just its safety. In the wake of its passage, President Kennedy awarded Kelsey the President's Award for Distinguished Federal Civilian Service, making her the second woman to receive such a high civilian honor. In her memoir, Kelsey says that the honor did not belong just to her. I thought that I was accepting the medal on behalf of a lot of different federal workers, she writes. This was really a team effort. She was quickly promoted to chief of the investigational drug branch in 1963, and four years later she became director of the Office of Scientific Investigation, a position she held for 40 years.